Hello, welcome to Krachwerke. So, um, using Easy Drummer, using MIDI drums, all that, use live drums, use real drummer, use this, use that. This is what we're going to talk about, and this is where we explain exactly how, the, uh, how easy it actually is to get a good um, real drum recording and mixing it. The point of this video is to try and help people understand actually how cheap and simple it actually is to manage to get a decent recording of drums, of a real drummer playing a real drum set, even in limited situations. You don't need a fancy big ass studio, any of that. So this is going to be possibly a three part. I'm going to see how long every section takes. Uh, so if you see it in one video, great. I'll have links to everything down at the bottom. So it's not at the beginning. Um, lots of complaints about using MIDI drums and all that. I'm not super tight about these things. I think you need to use what you need to use to be creative and do what you need to do. However, the kind of music I like, uh, and in general, I do believe that having a real drummer and recording drums yourself is not only sounds better, it's more authentic, uh, it's a lot more fun and you have a lot more pride at the end of the product. So um, th what, we, what, we're, what I'm going to try and do here is show you how cheaply and easily you can actually do a really good job. We're not trying to go for kind of crappy mediocre here. Um, so essentially um, what we're going to start with is just me giving a little bit of advice and things to look out for. Uh, what are the most important aspects um, to get started? Then we'll show you the, the miking setup and after that the mixing setup. So let's start. So number one, the most important thing with any instrument, you always start with the source. Your drum kit does not have to be super expensive. Your cymbals do not have to be super expensive, but they do need to sound good. If you're listening to that drum kit in the room, uh, wherever you are in your practice space, whatever, it has to sound good. The snare has to have a, have a punch. It needs to sound good. It needs to be tuned. So there's enough videos online how to tune drums. You know, th there's enough information about that. I can't cover everything. So let's start with, with the basics, which is Get your drum kit to sound good. Make sure that your cymbals sound good. If they don't, possibly buy a new one. Maybe use some tricks, maybe some tape, whatever, to, to dampen them, to get the, get, get the harshness out of them. Whatever you need to do, try and to your own ears and whoever else is with you, try and make sure the drum sounds good. Secondly, try and make sure that the drum kit sounds uh, um, good for the style of music that you're doing. So maybe a bit more tighter, heavier bottom end for metal and stuff like that. Maybe a little bit more lighter and airy and open. Uh, maybe a bit more of the um, of the chain of the snare. When it, if you're doing a, another type of of music, maybe jazz or blues or whatever. So get your instruments right. Get your drums right. Get them tuned up. Get them sounding good and responsive. The second thing is your environment. Um, you can essentially record in any space if you know what that space is doing and if you've got some means of controlling your environment. Obviously, um, again, you have to listen to your you have to listen to the 
the source here. If you're in a small room and it's really boxy and really resonant in there, you know, you won't get a anywhere near a decent um, uh, result from it. So using things to kind of control the reverb in the room is always a good idea. You can buy these foam things for like next to nothing. You can buy hundreds of it and you can double up and double up uh, uh, and, and try and control the room. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Remember, we're going to be listening to it. We're not going to be looking at it. So the one thing I do want to add quickly is make sure you understand what sound treatment does. Um, sound treatment, especially the cheap ones, don't treat all the frequencies. So if you just use kind of one kind of width of foam everywhere, you're essentially only blocking out one frequency, so you might have trouble in the low end, for example. So make sure you've got something that uh, enough material to soak up low end, mid, mid range, high end, and try to give it uh, to, to make it so that it actually does it. Uh, uh, kind of in a balanced way. And again, once you're in the room and somebody's playing, you can start hearing the difference that the treatment's making. Um, you can use a kind of mobile thing, so building stands with thick layers of um, um, kind of soundproofing that you can strategically move around the room to try and control where the mics are, where the bleed is, and all these kind of things. There's a lot you can do. Just use your ears. Take your time. Experiment with it. The next thing is gear. Uh, if you go online and you buy these Samson kits, drum recording kits, um, you can get, or the ones from GAT, uh, there's, there's tons of them, right? They are absolutely fine. They're, they're great. They work perfectly well, right? Go uh, find one that you like, go check out some reviews, and you'll probably realize that they are more than usable because mics nowadays are actually all fairly good. Uh, so it, the chain is important. Your source, uh, your, uh, your mics, the decent clean preamps, and from there it's in the door and you're good to go anyway. So get a, a kit, a uh, drum micing kit um, that has enough mics for close micing all the kind of um, drums itself and has a half decent uh, overhead micing, as it usually it's the pencil ones or something like that. Now you can get these kits anywhere from £100 to £200 and I would suggest they're all very usable. Again, go back, check out some reviews. Um, what I also think is important then is the mic placement itself. And once the mic placement is in place, you can make little test recordings and see how it sounds and see if there's too much reverb being picked up, etc, etc. So you can make additional decisions about treating your room and stuff like that, you know, when it comes to additional foam. Um, so, I would also suggest that you, you try and use as many channels as possible. So, again, back to the gear. Buy the Tascam 16.8 or the 2020 or maybe the Behringer ones, the Euphoria range. They're absolutely brilliant. They come with 16, usually 16 or more inputs. Eight of them are phantom powered, eight of them are line and instrument in, which means that you have the full range of possibilities to mic um, up a drum kit. You will not be uh, left wanting. You will, you will need um, phantom powered inputs for your overheads. Um, in fact, we'll get into that later, um, but you will have enough inputs. So essentially what I'm trying to 
create here is a scenario where you realize, well, actually, when you start counting up the effort and the money, it's not that much. Plus, you've got the addition that you are proud of your product, you'd made it, you can experiment, you can get the sound you want from mic placement and, and, and EQing and all that. Um, so just do that rather than sit and spend too much time trying to, if, especially if you have a drummer and a drum kit, you know, don't bother with, you know, uh, easy drummer and addictive drums and stuff like that. There's, there's just no need. So let's count it up. So um, the mics I'll show you probably worked out altogether uh, to about 300 pounds or less. The interface probably worked out somewhere between 200 and 300, depending on which one you buy. They are getting cheaper, especially if you get older ranges, they get cheaper. All you need is a USB 2, USB 3 one that takes um, all 16 inputs at the same time. So then you've got everything to record drums and you can get a result like this. Now it's just a quick clip, but just to give you an idea of what the drums can sound like uh, on a budget. Um, with a little bit of experimentation, a little bit of care, a little bit of knowing what you're doing, you can get great results. Now this, the reason I chose this song and this track and this kind of recording was because it's kind of the average, a typical rock song. So nice punchy um, uh, uh, drum sound, but it's not that over clicky, over tight, over compressed kind of metal sound. And it's not kind of the overly uh, um, atmospheric and, and open kind of maybe for, for jazz or something, or folk or something like that. So kind of middle ground. Um, from there on, you can then use your own imagination and skill and whatever you've learned to then tweak it to be, you know, if you're doing metal music or whatever you're doing. But essentially what I'm trying to show you is that for fairly little investment, which will take you a long way, um, you can get really good drum sounds um, if you apply yourself. So. The next piece, I'm going to show you a 3D version of the drum kit just so that we've got a, a bit of a better idea and show you the, the mic placements and what kind of mics we put where. Um, and uh, yes, we'll look out for that. So welcome back and we'll get straight into it. Um, I'm quickly going to remind you what the sounds like. So uh, that is um, that is roughly the sound at the moment, and that's what we'll be working off. So let's go into the mic setup. Now, apologies, but I would have loved to go back into the studio to show you this, but this is all done from memory, and this is kind of how I do it usually as well. So remember, what we're trying to do here is to try and show you how easy it is to get actually a very decent, good, rounded sounding drum sound uh, uh, recording it yourself um, we are not trying to be the biggest fancy most amazing thing we don't want to get too over the top with mic placement stuff like that so we're not trying any fancy XY configurations and all that we just want 
to show you to get a good, clear, uh, defined, punchy drum sound. So, in this, uh, the blue mics are dynamics, the red ones are condensers, and the green ones can be either. Preferably, in my opinion, condensers, but nonetheless. I will put a list down below exactly what mics were used on what, but I'll quickly run through it. The two overheads were part of the kit itself, uh, the drum kit, which is the the one from GAC, or I think they were GAT. Um, I have a video, I might link to it, where I actually have um, a quick overview of it, a quick sample of it. Um, so those two overheads are used. Um, the close mics are all part of the kit. Um, including the snare. Um, these two red ones here are actually um, these guys. These are the Behringer C2. They're very cheap. They come in two packs. You can also use them for overheads very effectively. Um, and the ones, this one here on top of the Hyatt and the one on the right are also C2s. Um, the one on the beater down here is a, is a SM57 clone by Pile Pro. You can also use the ones uh, or a Sure SM57. You can use that. And the one on the back, um, some people like to use uh, condensers mixed with um, dynamics. But actually, in this case, I actually only had the bass drum mic, the dynamic bass drum mic that was part of the kit in the back. We don't didn't mic the bottom of any of the drums of any of the toms, and we also I also did not mic the bottom of the snare. The snare just sounded great, so I left it as is. Um, but you'll notice here how I mic'd it up. So this red line or these lines that come off the supposed mic is actually where I pointed the mics themselves. So you'll notice here the dynamic mic, which was the one that came with the kit um, for snare, is pointed not in the center, but just off. So not exactly where the stick's supposed to hit, but just off it. Um, this one here is a C2 as well. Um, that's how what I'm, what I'm showing you now is mic'd up. That's how this was mic'd up. Um, this red one here you can neglect. Um, I usually put one uh, and that points straight at the rim as well, at the, at the shell, right? To give a, give a bit of a ping out of the shell. And that gets blended in. The snare sounded so good and it really came through in the overhead, so I didn't add a bottom mic for the snare um, to blend in. Um, you know the bottom end it wasn't necessary you can add that as well no problem uh, again i would just use a, a 57 or a clone of that they work perfectly well um, the toms are the same now these mics are not as close as they were they are usually a lot closer to the drum head but again they point just off center um, and i like to point them you see sometimes they are pointed kind of at a low angle. I like to try and get them a little bit of a higher angle to be a little bit more straighter onto the drum itself. It seems to ring better, um, gives a more um, realistic tone out of them. The hi-hat here, um, we'll go through this quickly because I think this is very important. The hi-hat 
and the ride are both close mic'd with the C2s, which are basically condenser, um, pencil condensers. The C2s have, like like many condensers have, they have a pad, a 10, um, a 10, 10 dB attenuation pad, and they also have a, a low-pass filter, sorry, a high-pass filter. So you can chop off all the bottom end. And so when you put, go on the cymbals, do that, because you, you help yourself a lot when it comes to the EQing. So apply those two, because you really just want a little in them, just to accentuate if it if they if you want to accentuate them in the mix here and there, um, or if they get a little bit lost within the overheads or the overall drum sounds. Um, these overheads, if you look at the placement here, um, the trick is, in this case. Now you'll notice how I'm pointing them away. That is because I don't have the XY pattern and I don't have the very wide pattern. Um, the reason I don't like doing it that way is because I want my pencils to to point as straight down on top of the symbols as possible. That way you get the least amount of sibilance and harsh noises of the symbols, but you get more the nice washiness of them. Um, it is something that I've noticed over time. Again, if you've got really shit sounding symbols and you've got no other way to go, I would try and point them keep them a fair distance away from the symbols and try and point them right down. Don't go too much of an angle and don't go onto the side. You get a lot of nasty sibilance and you don't want to sit spending hours trying to get it out because actually you can't. So because I like to point them as straight downwards as possible towards the symbols, um, you have to talk to the drummer to see how you can set them and he's still comfortable yet at the same time um, get those um, get the overheads to point nice and low and the other uh, nice and uh, 90 degrees down now mine are slightly moved to the side and I did that on this to try and replicate what I did in real life one of the reasons was it is very important that you get the overheads balanced the kick and snare need to hit right in the middle in the mix if your mics if the distance between the snare and the overheads is different from one side to the other and the bass drum from one side. The bass drum is not that important because it's kind of like an overall sound but the snare does have the potential of sitting in one overhead mic more than the other if you don't have them at the same distance um, each mic from the same distance from one another. So I actually kind of measured it in real life to uh, and pointed them such a way that to the ear and in the mix in the faders you could see that when you hit the snare there was a balanced sound between the two which also means that you've got to make some decisions around the cymbals to make sure that they're kind of evenly spread and and that you don't have one side too heavy than the other obviously you play on one side more and then the other side more that's fine you want that stereo but if everything's going you want it to be a nice balanced and you want the stereo mix from the recording point of view to be nice in the center uh, with a nice stereo width. This achieves it. This is probably not the way most people would do it, but it achieves it and it achieves it quickly and easily. So roughly, roughly, if you see here, the distance here is roughly the same. Um, even the beater, uh, if we turn it this way, you'll see that from the top, they are not exactly either side, but they're kind of shifted. And that is partly to help aid in getting them uh, to have a focus in the middle of the snare and the bass drum. So um, that is pretty much the mic setup. This one is to me a very important mic. Um, it does a lot 
um, for you in the mix for the bass drum. This dynamic here is pointed exactly at that point where the beater hits um, the skin. And there's a lot of things you can do with that signal. One, if it sounds good, it's a great click attack for your bass drum sound. It is also a very defined sound, so you can use it to gate, you can use it to replace, um, to add samples, uh, kick drum samples, all of these things, because you've got that really nice, heavy, uh, uh, defined click every time that Peter hits. So, but usually, if you put it right, you can act, it, it really creates a usable front end sound that you then blend with the back mic uh, that is on the back skin, uh, which takes up all the kind of more bassiness and the front then adds the click. Obviously, you've got a lot of phasing issues that you need to check. Um, so in this, I'm also going to show you what I did with the phase. The phase was pretty much generally okay. Um, however, we always start with the overheads. We get the overheads to sound right in the mix and then we take each drum and check the phase. Um, in the case of the snare, you first check the snares phase with each other, the mics with one another, and then with the overhead. So uh, the same with the bass drum. You first make sure those two are done and then the top. And that is also why you root, um, why you have submixes for the snare mics, for the bass drum mics, because you might have to um, 180, you might have to phase swap um, the whole thing back up to the um, to, to work together with the overheads. There's no room mics here. I'll explain to you how we did the room mics. Um, so this is the mic setup. Pretty simple. What have we got? Um, so for the recording we're going to listen to, we didn't have this one on the shell here. So we had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 11 mics. I would say 12 is probably a good idea. You can add one at the bottom of the snare or on the shell. I really like the sound of the shell. It really works well. Um, it really adds something to the um, to the snare tone. I think there's more information that is usable in the shell than it is actually at the bottom of the snare. That's my opinion. So that is pretty much a nice overview of the miking setup. And again, as mentioned before, listen to the kit. Make sure it sounds good in the room to your own ears. If you've got too much reverb, too much sibilance, it might be actually room issues and you might want to treat your room. You can treat your room with multiple things. Just remember that if you start treating it, make sure you try and um, attack all the frequencies in the room, not just the ones that you can hear. You've got a lot of bass frequencies that need much bigger, thicker, heavier padding. And then obviously the highs, they need a lot more kind of uh, thinner. They don't necessarily need to be so thick, but make sure that if you deal with your room, try and deal with that. Um, over the full spectrum of the frequency range. Anyway, the next thing we'll get into the mixing itself and I'll show you the tracks. Uh, and that'll be in just a second. So uh, now we are going to look at the recording of this. Um, so I'll give you a quick sense of what it sounds like.
vocals. <laughs> uh, I'm going to link to the song if you like it. You can listen to it. It's not mine. Uh, I'll have all the details in the in the description. Um, so here is a quick rendition of um, what the drums sound like without any effects. Straight out the straight out the recording. So as you can hear, a major difference just by being a little bit clever uh, um, and using your door productively. Um, I like to make choices which uh, enhance the sounds um, and I don't try to push anything. I'd like to try and get a good sound and then try and work with the song and what the drums are supposed to sound like. So as mentioned before, this is a rock song. <clears throat> and we're trying to get that full kind of rocky sound to it. So let us focus on the overheads first. So... You can just about make out the singer, because this was tracked live, pretty much live. And um, so you can hear the singer over it. So the first thing we do is try and make sure that on the dry track there's a good balance and that's why the overheads are panned hard left and right and then auxed to the overhead aux. So I use both the faders and the and the volume meters as well as my ears to try and make sure that it's nice and centered, especially the bass drum and the snare and that it's half decent stereo image. Second thing I did was to add um, the channel 7 strip. Um, essentially it is from Air Windows and it mimics the transformer coloration of a Neve um, channel strip. <clears throat> Adds a bit of life, gets a bit of coloration in there, makes it sound quite nice. The next one is actually compression. Compression we need. This is the T-Trax one. Um, I think this one is free now. Oh, I think I managed to get it through some sort of... Um, promotion I can't remember but it works really well use the stereo enhancer not a lot of compression on this considering I'm already getting somewhere next one is the freaky Q it's designed to color um, and I used the overheads preset but I fibbled with it a little bit <clears throat> because it's a bit too harsh. So for example, I took a little bit of the boxiness out around the 500 um, uh, hertz. Um, I I have the, the top end a little bit softer, etc. So played around with it a little bit. And then after that, I compressed it quite hard with the compressor that's built into um, Reaper, uh, Rear Comp. And then the last is just to round it off with a multiband equalizer. The re-AQ again. Most of these VSTs I'm using are actually free. So 
So you already have just in the overheads a nice complete picture of the drum set, which is very important. Okay, so, so we always work from the overheads backwards. So now we can go into the bass drum. So as you can hear, there's a gate, um, and that is to get the snare out of the, the beater. The microphone's quite close to the snare, it's actually nearly underneath. So <clears throat> using the gate to get rid of by using what frequencies are being gated, etc. Gating out um, the additional snare. It's quite a clear track, so what I did was I replaced that is a sample. And you'll notice that between the beater and the front end of the bass, this one is only there to enhance certain frequencies that are not there. When you replace like this, the whole point is that you introduce a certain um, transient which you would other ha otherwise have to manipulate too harshly with EQs and actually change the sound of what you've recorded. So the idea here is not to really um, replace the sound that you've recorded, but to add some of the frequencies that you wanted that maybe have not been there, or to add some attack from a sample that has that for you. Um, but you don't want to overdo it because you don't want to change the sound of the drum kit. So if I now mix the three, It all works really well together. Now, this is auxed, so if you listen to the aux here, there is a harsh compression and some EQ. Typical EQ of my liking, get rid of all the mid, uh, uh, mid frequencies, boost the 50 for a reason, because the bass is gonna be dipped there. Uh, boost the 50, boost the three, boost a little bit higher as well, so you get a nice rounded image. Now, if we listen to the kick again, Really natural but defined um, bass drum. Next, we'll quickly launch into the snare. Now, the snare had to be phase shift. So, So again, we, we take two, these are actually two copies. This, the first one is the dynamic mic. The second one is the C1, the um, condenser pencil that I was talking about earlier. So this one is heavily gated. Okay, 
again we've got the channel 7 strip and we've got the Neve console driven hard to put some life into it compressed with using their preset it works perfectly fine you can look at the settings here um, again we've got a preset for the snare here um, but I changed a little bit get a little, a little of some of the top end more the mids um, and got some of the bottom end yet boosted some of the 100k and then again sculpted with uh, the last sculpting done with a transparent EQ which is the rear EQ these are pretty much mimic these two the reason I like to double them is because I don't like to apply a reverb to one track um, and then I'd, I'd like to have it doubled and then applied to one of the two tracks and that way I can blend the reverb track into it so I'll give you an example here that's the dry signal You also notice that one is not gated so you can get some of the bleed of the rest of the kit um, but this one because it has the reverb in it as well it kind of gives that kind of fuller sound so blending these two is a good nice idea the last one here is actually what the C1 sounds like again not gated it picks up a lot of the kit but it's got that attack at the top so the three of them work really nicely together Now with the overheads, and now with the kick. And it's that simple, um, some proper EQing. Uh, and you get there. Next we will get onto the toms, the room mic and some of those things. So as mentioned before, <clears throat> we also have, um, I've also put mics on the cymbals and the overheads, on the, sorry, the cymbals and the hi-hats. So let's quickly listen to them. So as you can hear, there's a bit of snare in the cymbal. <clears throat> so, can hear it quite clearly in the symbol uh, in the ride because it doesn't it's not hitting at this point in time there's the ride now the ride is uh, is there and I don't really use them unless I have to so realistically these are just gated a bit um, so that it's only kind of like when they're really heavy that you can hear them although the gate doesn't really work very well on cymbals so they're not hyper working you also notice that they are not um, compressed really to any major degree and one of the reasons is I want them to just come in there if they if they need to so they they don't need to be overworked um, and they're supposed to work in tandem with the overheads so they are really just there to blend in if required and when required or in certain aspects where you want to have some accents on it. So let's go to the toms. Um, I like toms to be really heavily panned left, right and front. Uh, you probably would have noticed that the way that this, you can record drums and when you, when you build a stereo image you can do it two ways. You can either do it from the 
um, the point of view of the drummer or from the point of view of the audience. So if you take a normal right-handed drummer, uh, you would have your hi-hats on your left. You'll notice on this case, in this case, they're on your right, um, with the panning especially of the hi-hat track itself. So that means it's that this is recorded from the audience's perspective. Now keep that in mind because you have to match your overheads as well at the same time. And the toms are the same, so the floor tom is actually panned to the left. So again, it's from the perspective of the the viewer. So the toms themselves are funny. I don't find them difficult, but if the, the best thing to do with toms is to make sure that the toms sound good. If they don't, they have a tendency to become a little bit flaky. So I gated them. So uh, pretty much the same as a kick. You can pretty much use the same settings as a kick. So there's nothing playing because they're gated and once they come in they come in. Um, I have. They need to be comped quite heavily. Um, again, I'm using a few comps. Uh, for example, this comp, although I've used the Channel 7 Neef kind of strippy thing to excite stuff, um, I could use it on this too. Um, I didn't, I could, it's not a big deal, I suppose. Um, but you want to use a compressor, something that adds a little bit of life and a little bit of harmonics into it to get a nicer, fatter signal. Toms can disappear a little bit. You also don't want to push them too hard that they're kind of like completely overwhelmed <clears throat> when they come in. So the toms here have been <clears throat> heavily worked actually um, because I didn't like the sound of them too much. I'll play them without. So with and without effects, um, but essentially they have been heavily um, compressed um, and then also quite a heavy EQ applied. Now the EQ here, the kind of standard preset comes with this little notch here on the low end closer to the 50. Um, I prefer it to have it a little bit around the 100 because it's, it's a more audible range for you to hear it and again dip the mid um, the mids a little bit and then give it a little bit of a boost up but somewhere between 3 and 5k depending on um, your ear and what what you're hearing in the rest of the mix to make them stand out about now this is the floor tom the floor tom is a little bit more bassy like the bass drum it's not as high pitched as the as the rack toms so they're slightly different EQ'd um, the other thing I've also done is added a a, um, a reverb to this and as you can see the reverb um, is quite low in the mix um, so this is the mix so I don't want it to be too heavy there I just want there to be a little bit of life in it um, the toms were okay in phase with the overheads it wasn't a problem so that brings us to the drum room 
So there were no mics on the drum. So here's a trick. You take all your auxes, everything that you've done before, or your master aux here, and you send another send to another one. So as you can see, um, the um, the main bus drum bus is sending. So let's start from the beginning. We have a, an aux bus for the kick. We've got an aux bus for the overheads, and sometimes you'd have an aux bus also for your snare. That allows you to mix them together and and EQ and compress them as you want, and then send them to your drum bus. So in this case, in this scenario, we have kick aux um, sending to the drum aux, everything else sending to the drum aux or the drum bus. Um, we also have uh, an aux for the overheads, but again, that aux then again is sent um, without a master send, but straight to the drum bus. All of that is then sent into another one, which I like to make, um, which is um, the drum room. Now, if we listen to the drum room by itself, you'll notice something. Now it's, it's literally, it's literally um, the drum bus fed into another one. But we can now apply certain things to make it sound like a room mic. So firstly, heavy tape compression, so really slamming it through a tape um, emulator. Adding a lot of reverb because it's a room mic and it will have some, some reverb to it. Um, comping it quite heavily again, uh, but that is to get some punch out of it. And then EQing it. Uh, what I've done with the EQ is just get some of the nasty stuff out, like the really low end which we don't need there, um, the kind of 1K a noisy sound and some of the really high end. So if you listen to it by itself, it sounds like a room mic, um, but you didn't have one. But it means that you can now use that and blend it back in. So here we go. And you do that to taste. Um, so to me, I'm, I'm doing this, rehashing this again in my headphones, so I don't know if it's 100% the way it should be, but it should be quite close. So one trick which is, well, it's not a trick, it's an absolute must. You need to figure out if your mics are in phase. Um, I'm going to show you an easy way to do this. You do that right in the beginning, that's one of the first things you do, um, is that you make sure that all your mics are in phase. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all the effects off again, okay? So, and then we're going to play it. And then we're going to only have the overheads on. Okay. Now we will turn on the snare as well. And what you're listening out for is sometimes it's quite obvious that they're out of phase. One will really dip or fall away or there will be weird phasing noises in the high end. But actually the most distinct and easy way to figure out if it's in phase or not is by listening to the bottom end. Does the bottom end disappear or get thinner? And in this case you can clearly hear the bottom end 
of the snare going thinner. Listen again. And you do that systematically to find out if they're in phase or not and just flip the phase. So these are all the same. So these worked out that they all just had to be flipped um, and it was fine. You can do exactly the same with the toms. And when you hear no difference either or, then it's usually fine. So there you go. So let's hear what the whole mix sounds like. Classic, 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 classic rock, and the guys were fantastic. And as you can hear, the drummer was on the ball every single time. If you actually look at the snare and the bass kicks, they were so on point. It looked like they were. Uh, it looked like they were rasterized. It was unbelievable. Anyway, so um, the which brings me to another few little um, hints and tips at the end. The drummer has to play hard and consistent. It really helps with the mixing if the drummer plays heavy and hard. I'm not taking over the top, but getting good hits every time, consistent good hits. Um, it also helps when if there are parts where you have to play soft and stuff like that, that they actually sound like you are playing softer. 
So consistent hits, hitting the drums on the good on on uh, properly, ideally having um, the drummer hit uh, um, drum shots. All these things really really help a lot. This, these are things that are regurgitated by so many all the time, but they really really help to get a good drum sound. If you play the drums too softly, you have got to boost too much, and by boosting too much, you are inevitably also having to boost too much of the um, bleeds from other um, from the mics and from other mics and stuff like that so it starts becoming messy the heavier you hit the tighter your transient um, the tighter your transient the easier it is easier it is to get a good mix going um, so good drum kit sounding good i'm not going to say good drum kit a kit that sounds good that is properly tuned a good player nicely timed player um good mic placement decent mic not absolutely shit mics but i mean none of these mics that we've used here are expensive by any means and they deliver a decent product nowadays products are just good good enough um and then a little bit of care and thought into what you want to do and you can get a really good decent sound now from everything that i've explained we're not spent talking about a lot of money spent which means that uh, and, and also don't forget that once you've bought the stuff you can use it again and again and again and a lot of the mics that you buy you can use really well for other purposes for example the mics that come with these sets for snare and for toms are fucking amazing on guitar caps they really are they really work well for guitar caps so you're not wasting mics just for drums you can use them for other purposes the overheads are really good for acoustic instruments acoustic guitar stuff like that the um, bass drum is usually very very good for um, recording a bass cap a bass guitar cap so you can use them for different purposes as well and they really really work well especially the snare mics and the tom mics work amazingly well for guitar caps so you're not wasting anything um, and you can use it again and again find a nice place to set up so there is no real reason not to try at least to get um, your own drum tracks recorded any recommendations any counters to this what I've said any questions please leave it below if you want to see more about this track and how it was mixed and the guitars were done and all that I would be happy to continue on this track uh, and make more tutorials uh, but I'd like to see that below um, if that's something that people are interested in. This was really just to show uh, how to get a nice uh, drum recording and I don't want to say on a budget because it's wrong but trying to e explain that is actually not that difficult uh, or that expensive to get your own good drum tracks recorded and mixed. So as always please subscribe um, and um, Yes, check out the stuff, check out the links below. Thank you very much. Take it easy.
Sail.